Hebrews 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which doth easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. One of my favorite verses in the entire Bible is Hebrews 12 too. Christ, who looked at Calvary, saw the suffering, and he called it joy. Who for the joy? He knew it was on the other side tonight, and we thank the Lord for that. Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. Let's pray tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to tell you thank you tonight. What a privilege, what a blessing it is God to be amongst your people. Lord, to have your word, to have your presence tonight. Thank you, Lord, for your sweet presence on a Wednesday night. Lord, a lot of churches are getting away from it. The midweek service, cutting it out. But Lord, I'm thankful tonight, Lord, you sure are interested in it. God, you've decided to grace us with your presence tonight. We thank you for it. We ask you, Lord, to work on our hearts tonight. Lord, help us to leave out of here different than the way we walked in. God, speak to our hearts directly. Lord, speak directly to us. Lord, I'm not preaching to anybody tonight. Lord, I'm not preaching with anybody in mind. But, Lord, you know exactly what we need tonight. And I pray, Lord, you'd help us. And I pray, Lord, tonight you'd be with Miss Sue and her family. Be with the Key family. Be with the Ansley family. Lord, we also got many others, Lord, that are just walking through trials right now. Not just in our church, but, Lord, it seems like everybody I've talked to lately, something's happening, something's going on. But Lord, I'm thankful, Lord, that it's not above your control nor your ability to move and intervene in. We ask you, Lord, tonight that you just work in each and every situation. Do, do things in such a way, God, that we all we can do is step back and say it's the Lord that's moving amongst us. We love you, we thank you, we'll give you the glory, we'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. When I was younger, uh, there was a time in my life where running was just about an everyday thing for me. I know it doesn't look like it now, but there was a time in my life where I ran just about every day. It was when I was playing soccer, I was in ROTC, uh, and I was in high school, and I used to have to run every day. We'd run miles, and then we'd go practice. But there's two things I found out of myself while I was running. I don't, like ru- I don't like running just to run. If that was the case, I'd still be a runner. But tonight, I am not a runner tonight. I'm not, a, I'm not just somebody who gets up in the morning, ties my, my tennis shoes together, and says, hey, let's go run three miles just because it sounds like a good time. I've got a car. Why would I do that? <laughs> But I, I found out I don't like running just to run. Now, if you put a ball in front of me, if you put a purpose behind it, if you put uh, a competition behind it, I will run. I remember teaching children's church, and there I was, 20 years older than the majority of the kids in there, if not older than that, and there I was out there racing them. After we got done with the lesson, we was outside playing. I was out there racing and running with them. Why? I knew I could beat them. I had strides on them. I had length on them. I had age on them. And, I would, I would, and there, there was one little girl. That, that girl was fast. But I found out I just don't like running to run. It's just not something I enjoy doing. And I don't think about it. I'm not a runner, amen. I also found out I'm not built for speed. I'm, I'm not a speed demon. I, I don't have speed. <laughs> my physique, my, the, my makeup, my shape, amen, I'm not built for speed. I'm not built to be a sprinter. I'm not built to be fast. And here's the thing. I never was fast, and I can guarantee I never will be fast. Amen. I've got everything to increase that. It just doesn't work. 
But I want you to notice tonight when we think about this, we've all at some point in our time run a race. We've all at some point in another have started at a starting line and ran towards a finish line. And here in the word of God, here in Hebrews, and it's interesting, that, that theme of a race, that idea of a race is mentioned four times in your Bible. It's, it's actually split evenly between the Testaments. There's two mentions of a race in the Old Testament and two mentions of a race in the first, the first Testament, the New Testament tonight. We see here in the Old Testament, it tells us some things about the race. The New Testament tells us how to run the race. In Ecclesiastes chapter, Ecclesiastes chapter number nine, verse number 11, Solomon writes, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. What was, what was Solomon trying to tell us is that everybody has a race to run. You say, preacher, I'm not fast. I'm not built to run. I, I'm not the greatest Christian. I'm not the most learned. I'm not the most educated. I don't have it all figured out, preacher. Can I say tonight? The race is for all of us to run. God doesn't say, I, I want you to run a race. I want you to run a race. I want you to run a race. But none of y'all have to run. All of us will have a time and a chance to run the race of the Christian life tonight. It's not just for those those who may be a preacher, those who may be a Sunday school teacher, those who hold a position in the church, it is for every Christian to run the race. We see it tonight. Who's, who's available to run? Anybody that is saved by the grace of God. It's not just a select few to run the race, but every Christian can and should run the race tonight. We see who's available to run. We also see the attitude in Psalm 19. Psalm 19, verse number five, which is a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. In essence, there is, now in its context, Psalm 119 is talking about the heavens declare the, the glory of God and the, the handiwork of God and we understand that tonight, but he gives this illustration, he gives this uh, example here that there's a strong man and he's itching to race. He is excited to race. He has been training for this. He's prepared for this. It is his life's desire to run a race. And can I say that we all have the same attitude when it comes to the Christian life, when it comes to the race of the Christian life, is that we ought to get up every morning and say, today's the day I'm gonna put on my spiritual shoes and I'm gonna run my race for the glory of God. I get to run for Jesus. I get to live the Christian life. I understand I can't do it by myself. I, understand I don't have the ability. I don't have the know-how. But thanks be to God, he allows me. He's called me. He uses me. And if I'll just put my shoes on, if I'll just be obedient, I can run the race for Jesus. We see the attitude with which we should run. We ought to be excited about it. The, worst, the last thing this world needs to see is a Christian who's not excited about being a Christian the last thing we need to be is a church full of grumbling, complaining Christians because we're grumbling and complaining because we're saved by the grace of God. I tell you what, before I got saved, I tell you what, it seems like everything was better. It wasn't. It wasn't. There was nothing. There's nothing back there worth going back for tonight. There's nothing worth leaving what, where God has brought us to. You know what? I'm going to go back there because everything, no, it wasn't tonight. Because all of a sudden, the Satanists say, don't you remember how much fun you had? Don't you remember how many people liked you? How nobody, nobody avoided you? Everybody wanted to talk to you. Now you've got saved and people go in the opposite direction. They see you carrying your Bible and they say, I don't want nothing to do with them. He said, don't you remember when everybody used to love you? Because I said, they used to not love you back then. It's amazing how it always brings up the good times. He don't bring up the bad times. Bring up the bad times. We see the availability to run. We all should run the Christian race. We all should run it with excitement and joy in our heart this evening. 
But you get to the New Testament, and we'll see here in Hebrews and also in the book of 1 Corinthians, there are some instructions, not just that we are to run a race, but how to run the race. How God has designed it and desires for me and you to run the race tonight. And so in essence, I want to preach on this thought, how to be a better runner. How to be a better runner. You're looking at me and say, well, preacher, <laughs> looking at you, preacher, I ought not take no pointers from you. You look like you run an eight-second, 40-yard dash, dash. Amen. There's linemen in the NFL who can run it almost in four seconds. <laughs> I'm nowhere near that. Amen. They, they don't count my seconds. They count my minutes. But I'm not talking about physically running tonight. I'm talking about running and living the Christian life. And there are some things that if we take from the word of God and apply it to our life, you and I can be better runners for the Lord tonight. I believe every Christian can be a better runner by noticing the characteristics of a good runner out of the New Testament tonight. Notice number one, if me and you are going to be a better runner, we have to be a lighter runner or a, light, a lighted runner tonight. Look at Hebrews chapter number 12, verse number one. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness. Notice this, he doesn't say, get in the position. <laughs> Pump your arms. Run your feet. What does he say? Let us lay aside every weight. In the sin which doth easily beset us. Notice before there's ever a mention of the mechanics of running. There is a description of the makeup of a runner. Can I say tonight, no doubt, here the writer of Hebrews has got it right. Because if you've ever watched the Olympics, and you've watched those men or those ladies run around that track or run those sprints, you can tell that they are runners by what they're wearing. Because they are wearing the lightest materials they can get their hands on. Their shoes weigh just a couple ounces apiece, if not. Could you imagine if you were to tune into the Olympics and they start going down the line and there's, there's a guy that's dressed like a runner, dressed like a runner, dressed like a runner, and you get to the end and there's a guy wearing blue jeans, a hoodie, and some high-top sneakers. And that fella ain't winning because he's not dressed to run. He might be fast, but he's got too much on him. He's got too much extra stuff to run at full capacity, at full potential tonight. And the same is true in the Christian life. The lighter that you and I are in the things that's mentioned here, the less weight we have on us, the less we're dabbling in sin tonight. The extra stuff may look cool. Everybody might think it's neat. But the matter is it becomes weights and it actually becomes costly in the Christian life. Notice there's two things that are mentioned that need to be removed if you and I are going to run at our full potential. If we're going to be a better runner for Christ or the best runner we could be for Christ. Notice what he said. He said, lay, let us lay aside every weight. Let us lay aside every weight. I looked the word weight up, and it means something that is suspended by a hook. In essence, all of its weight is at one focal point, and therefore it is being pulled down, and it is weighing something down. It is a burden, something that adds an unnecessary weight to our life. Now, tonight, weights aren't necessarily sin. They're not necessarily things that we know are wrong because later in the chapter he mentions the word sin. He said, well, preacher, if how do you know they're not the same thing? Because if they were the same thing, it would say the same thing. We see a weight in a sin tonight. Weights are burdens that we have, but if we don't lay them aside, 
In essence, if we don't deal with those things properly, and, and, and what are we to do with our weights and our burdens? Where are we to cast them? On the Lord Jesus. Where's the only place a burden is supposed to go in the Christian's life? It is to go to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is to be cast upon him, for he cares for us. He can carry all of our burdens tonight. We see it tonight, if we, but if we don't lay them aside, they definitely, definitely will hinder us tonight. I'm gonna give you three weights that you, every single person here tonight is gonna deal with. Now, these aren't all the weights. There's just a few of them that we all have somewhere in our life. We all will deal with it at some point in our life. There's the weight of our past. That which we used to be before we got saved by the grace of God. That those, those regrets, those things that you and I aren't proud of, we'd never mention to nobody. We're so, we're so disgusted at ourselves that we'd ever do something like that. And if we're not careful, we'll carry the weight of our past that's been forgiven. We'll carry the weight of our past that God himself has cast in the sea of forgetfulness. And if we're not careful, we'll run around with the weight of our past holding us down. We see tonight that there's a weight of our past, our lives before salvation, our times of backsliding. Not just prior to salvation, but even when you and I fail after salvation, if we're not careful, we'll carry those things around with us when we ought to leave them in the hands of Jesus. Let him deal with those things. The weight of our past but then there's also the weight of our present, our current problems and predicaments. Boy, how many wish that when you got saved, everything was solved and fixed and you just floated your way to heaven? How many know it don't happen that way? <laughs> Rudely awakened, quickly awakened to the fact that yes, God has forgiven my past and I don't have to carry the weight of my past behind me, but if I'm not careful, I'll let the weight of the present deal with me. And I say this week has been a busy, busy, busy week. This week has been a burdensome week. This week has been a difficult week. It's been a hard week, not just for me in that sense, but really for those that I've gone to and those that I've tried my best to minister and be a, a blessing to. There is present things going on right now that are a great weight to them. Preacher, what do we do with the weight of our present? The same thing we do with the weight of our past. We give it to the Lord. We trust God for our current problems and our predicaments. Let me ask you, how many needs did God promise to supply? All of them tonight. So we can't just say, well, I know he did that back then, preacher. I know uh, 10 years ago the Lord helped me, but what about now? Look at our country. Look at the mess that we're in. Preacher, what are we gonna do? The same thing we did 10 years ago. Give it all to the Lord and say, Lord, I can't carry this weight around because if I'm carrying it around, I'm not running to my full potential. The weight of our past, the weight of our present, if you're good at guessing, you probably know what the next weight is. The weight of our future. The weight of our future. What does tomorrow hold? Is it going to be a good day or a bad day? Is it going to be a day full of good news or is it going to be a day full of bad news? Is it going to be a day full of blessings or is it going to be a day full of problems? Is it going to be a day of this or a day of that. Here, I don't know tonight. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what the next minute holds. I, I know what I've got planned to say. But truth is, God is in control of all that tonight. And so if I'm not going to run with the weight of my past, and I'm not going to run with the weight of my present, then I must not run with the weight of my future. I understand you and I don't know what tomorrow holds, but thanks be to God, we know who holds tomorrow. We know who's in control. We know that he has our best intentions at heart, our, our best wishes at heart. He works all things together for good to those that love him, and we know that tonight. And so in essence, I don't need to sit down and, and chew my fingernails and, and worry about what tomorrow holds. God is in control of it tonight. 
If I can run around and carry the weight of my future and my past and my present, then I'm not, I'm not doing what the Bible tells me to do. Lay aside every weight. What does it mean, preacher? It literally means say, you take it from here and you set it right here. You lay it aside. Babe Ruth uh, was an interesting baseball player. He didn't have the physique of a modern-day baseball player. But he changed the way that baseball was played. Not the rules, not the regulations, not different shifts out in the outfield. He did something that nobody had ever done before him. As he was preparing to go into the batter's box, he was standing in the on-deck circle, and there you would grab a bat and you would practice your swings, try to get the pitcher's timing. Babe Ruth did something that nobody had ever done before. He grabbed two bats. He began to swing two bats as he was preparing to go into the batter's box. And somebody said, Mr. Babe, why do you grab two bats and swing with two bats? He said, because I know when I lay down one of them to head in the batter box, this one feels a whole lot lighter. And truth is, that's, that's a true statement. If you ever played ball, you've ever stood in the, the on-deck circle nowadays, we don't grab two bats. Nowadays, they got those fancy little rings that go around the bat that add weight to it. And you sit there and you swing that bat with all that weight on it. And then you take it off right before you go into the batter's box. And something, it tricks your brain. I don't know how all that works, but it sure enough becomes lighter. And you feel like you can swing faster and swing harder and have more chance of hitting a home run. But could you imagine if Babe Ruth walked into the batter's box with two bats? Or you walked into the batter's box with that weight on your bat, and I say, you ain't hitting nothing. You're going to be so far behind the pitcher, it's not even going to be funny. But if you learn to take that weight off, and the same is true in our Christian life. Yes, you can live the Christian life carrying all the weight you want to tonight. You can carry the weight of your past. You can carry the weight of your present. You can carry the weight of your future. And you can live the Christian life, but not to the full potential. Not to the way that God designed it to be actually be lived tonight. We've got to learn to weigh, lay aside our weights tonight. But notice this in verse number one. What else did he say? Not only to lay aside every weight, but he said, in the sin which so easily beset us. The sin which so easily beset us. We live in a day where we no longer confess and we try to control it. We try to uh, control it and we try, to, we try to handle it ourselves and we hide it and, we, and we, we try to do all these things with it and we don't realize the easier, the, the more we hold on to, the easier it besets us. See, I wrote it down this way that lay aside every weight means we need to get, lay aside those things that drag us down. Every sin which doth beset us, those are the things that disqualify us. Those are the things that take us out of the game, so to speak, out of the race. So to speak. I'm not talking about losing your salvation, but I'm talking about running the race that God has put before you to the full potential. And we'll see why tonight it's not just about running the race, but it's also running to finish, to finish well. The more we try to control our sin, the easier it besets us. It surrounds us. It controls us. When it starts with just one time, I'm just going to go one time. It's not going to be that big a deal. I can handle it. Bigger than it, or better than it. Before you know it, what starts off as a little sin has quickly, easily beset you. It's put, it's consumed you, it controls you, and it's completely around you. When sin becomes present, and notice it needs to be made right away, and it must be made right before you go any further. Don't run from it. Don't deny it. 
Don't downplay it. What do I do, preacher? Confess it. Confess it. 1980, there was a lady by the name of Rosie Ruiz. And initially, she was crowned the champion of the 1980 Boston Marathon. She had broke the world record. She had run the marathon faster than any woman had ever run it. And everybody was, go Rosie, go Rosie. That's amazing. You've, you've broke the record. You're, you're amazing. Then they started checking things out. Found out she actually didn't run the race. But that she hopped on a bus and eventually hopped into the middle of the race before anybody noticed who she was. Crossed the finish line, was crowned the winner, and eventually all that was taken out. Why? She just found out that she cheated. She found out that she cheated. She, she didn't do that which was required to actually run the race. And so many times in our Christian life, if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves being just like her. We'll try to shortcut our way through. We'll try to make it easier than what it's supposed to be. Can I say that's not how God designed the race to be run? We're not to run a life, run the race of God, or run the race of the Christian life full of sin and, and acting like everything's all right. No, we need to confess those things and get them right tonight. Let me ask you, are you willing to lay aside every weight and confess your sins that you might run the Christian race more effectively? If we're going to be better runners, we won. We have to be lighted runners. Number two, we have to be learned runners. We have to be learned runners. Look at verse number one. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Can I say tonight, and I'm just going to be honest with you, the word running and patience don't seem to go together in my book. They don't make sense. How do you run patiently? What does that look like? What does that, give me an, what does that look like, preacher? Give me a second. I'll do my best to explain it to you tonight. In the Christian life, here's the, they don't make sense to us, but in the Christian life, they are not to be separated. We are to run with patience. Now, here's the thought. Your life is what, according to James? But a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. Just at a moment's notice, it's gone. And we think to ourselves, I got to do it now. I got to get it all done. I got to figure it all out now. And then he says, run with patience. Well, well, I mean, my life's but a vapor. How much patience do I need? All of it tonight. Patience in running isn't waiting to run, but rather it's knowing how to run in the right situations and in certain situations. For example, if you're to run cross country, if you're to run marathons, you know you don't sprint the hills and take it easy on the flat ground. It's the other way. You conserve energy as you're going up the hill and then you sprint on the flat and the downhills tonight. You learn how to run because if you just run full blast all the time, you ain't winning a marathon. And the same is true in our Christian life. It takes a sermon. It takes patience learning how to run. Now, there are some people who are naturally good runners. There's some people out there, they, they just pick it up quick. They are, they are naturally fast. They're naturally good runners. They have good form naturally. I'm, I'm talking about physically running tonight. But then there's some who have to learn. Truth of the matter is, every person, whether naturally good or not, can learn how to be a better runner or how to become a good runner. I was in ROTC in high school, and I was a star on the academic team. So they, helped, they, they told me to try out for the athletic team. Typically, academic and athletic don't go together. And if you're good at the academic team, you're probably not coordinated to be on the athletic team. You're the smart guy. We need the fast guy. And so they had brought us all out there, and 
They lined us up, and there's different events, push-ups, sit-ups, uh, and then there was running. You had a, we had sprints. We also had, I think, the 4 by 100 or something like that. But they brought us all out there just in case they were going to discover new raw talent. And so they lined me up, and Chief Scott, he, he was teaching me and telling me things to do. He said, make sure you pump your arms. Make sure you, you know, stand up straight. Make sure all, the, you know, all this, get your knees up. All, he said, and give everything you got. But I remember he said, make sure you keep your head straight. And so I did, man. I gave it everything I had and didn't come nowhere near finishing within the top 10. <laughs> there weren't but 11 of us. <laughs> and I took off running and he said, Wagner, forget everything I said. You take that head and you lean that bad boy forward, you'll go a whole lot faster. <laughs> What'd you do, preacher? I leaned my head forward and fell over. <laughs> but though tonight we understand we ought to all learn how to run the best that we can our styles may differ our course might be slightly different my race may look a little different from yours but we're all running to the same rules and the same guidelines so we all ought to be running according to the word of God tonight you may not run like I do but we ought to have following the same rule book tonight why there's no such things as shortcuts in the Christian life there's no such thing as a shortcut in the Christian life. There isn't one set of rules for one Christian and another set of rules for different Christians. There isn't one set of rules for those who are in leadership that allows me to get away with more than what you get away with. We are all subject and under subjection to the word of God tonight. From the pulpit to the pew tonight, none of us have any essence, none of us have any, uh, God hasn't allowed me and you to have different rules and regulations tonight. We all ought to live by the word of God, we are all to run according to the word of God. And that takes patience. It takes patience, learning how to apply the word of God in our life. Notice here, the word wherefore in chapter number 12, verse number one, means prior to, what was said prior to this is how we are to uh, uh, live, how we are to run our race. Why? Wherefore, there are, there's, we are also compassed with such a great cloud. Of, those that have ran before us, those who have run their race for God, wherefore, we are to run like them. Who? Look at verse number 11. What is verse number, or chapter number 11 tonight? That is the great chapter of faith in your Bible. You and I are to run by faith according to the word of God tonight. A good runner Here's the thing, we, they all ran their race by faith according to God's word. We ought to do the same tonight. Here's the thing about a good runner, they don't gripe about the rules. One of the worst jobs I ever had was being a little league umpire because every parent thought their kid was gonna go pro. And they thought their kid was the next Chipper Jones, the next uh, Greg Maddox, the next great brave that I can't think of right now. They all thought that's what their kid was going to be. And boy, the things they said to me, I was 16 years old. I didn't even have an umpire's uniform on. I had a t-shirt and basketball shorts on. Paid me $10 a game. Worst job I ever had. They gripe about the rules. I remember one time a young man hit the ball. It rolled to the shortstop. The shortstop threw it. The first baseman caught it. And then the man ran through the bag, and then he dropped the ball. And I didn't know if he was out or safe. So I called him out. <laughs> and I, the whole place came unglued. <laughs> At least one side. The other side was like, great call. Great call, young man. We ought to make you president. That's the side I, I favored. Amen. 
If I was smart, I would have said, which one of y'all want to pay me? <laughs> Your team will win. But notice here, a good runner doesn't gripe about the rules, but rather they learn how to improve themselves within the rules. What is right? Learned runners run with purpose. Unlearned runners just wander around. Think about the nation of Israel. Let me ask you, if you were to compare your Christian life to a portion of uh, the nation of Israel's history, would you rather have your life look like the nation of Israel running, wandering through the wilderness? Oh, yes, God took care of them. God provided for them. God did great things among them, but they were still wandering. Or would you rather have your life look like Joshua as they're marching through the promised land, conquering foes and winning battles for God? Can I say tonight, I want to look like Joshua in the nation of Israel marching through the promised land. How are you going to do that, preacher? By running according to the rules. Not too long ago, I can't remember which Olympics it was, but uh, because of technology, see, growing up, I didn't know there was all these different Olympic sports. I thought there was swimming, I thought there was figure skating, and then I thought there was basketball. I mean, I thought that was it. That's all they ever played. Now, I knew they, they played more, but I never seen anybody play anymore. But now with technology and with cameras being everywhere, you get to see all the different Olympics. I've learned that there are sports in the Olympics I didn't know that, that were there before. One of those being speed walking. I kid you not, we were at the house one day, and we were flipping through the channels and, and, and different things, and I, I said, speed walking? It said, Olympic speed walking. I said, this can't be real. It is. It is. <laughs> It's one of those things, as I watched it, I couldn't turn away from it. This is one of the most odd, interesting things I've ever seen. It's a, it's a real sport. It is speed walking in the Olympics. You got to think about it. Nations sent their best speed walkers to the Olympics. I couldn't help but watch it, and I couldn't turn away from it. Miss Becky was in there. The whole, all the kids were, we were all watching it. It's the craziest thing. Like, you got to go home and look it up. <laughs> But they, it was the, the women, they were speed walking. They have a whole course set out. I can't remember how many kilometers it was. They had a big loop. They had to walk around. But within that loop was a penalty loop. And I don't know all the rules of speed walking, and I probably never will. But the announcer said one of the biggest rules in speed walking is that one foot always has to be on the ground. Because if both feet are off the ground, you're no longer walking, you're running. And I thought, that can't be that hard to break. I mean, these are professional speedwalkers. And then one after another, after another, after another. I mean, you got to realize this speedwalking. The announcer is way too hyped for this. He said, oh, no, Brazil just lost her chance. That, that lady, she, she just got, she got called into the penalty loop. And they have to walk around the penalty loop before they go back on the track. And it. Every single one of them that we saw get the penalty is because they had both feet off the ground at one time. So many times in the Christian life, we're so quick to run. We're so quick to get excited. We're so quick just to jump the gun that we jump both feet out of the Word of God. We jump both feet out of obedience to the Word of God. Preacher, how do I run the Christian life? Always keep your feet in the Word of God tonight. Because here's the thing. Those ladies that walked in the penalty loop, they did a whole lot more walking. But they all went back to the same spot. And had to start all over again. So many times in the Christian life, we're not careful. 
if we hop out of this and do it our own way, oh, we might go a far distance. We might walk a long way, but we really won't gain no ground. Well, if we're going to be better runners for Christ, we have to be learned runners. Are you content with just running? Would you rather learn how to run better for the Lord? You've got to be a lighted runner. You've got to be a learned runner. And notice number three tonight, you have to be a lasting runner. Take your Bibles from the 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the fourth and final place in your Bible where the word race is mentioned. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 24. It says, Know ye not, they which run a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so fight I not as one that beateth the air, but I keep my body under, or I keep under my body and bring it in subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. You have to be a lasting runner. <laughs> I love when somebody gets up and says how wicked sports are and how terrible competition is and think, did you ever read Paul's writings? Paul, I, I don't know, history commentators say Paul enjoyed sports. And oftentimes in his writings, he alluded to them to help us understand great truths about the Christian life and what it means to run the Christian race. But here in 1 Corinthians, Paul shows us a great truth. Running the race is great, no doubt. It is a great thing for every Christian to run their race. Paul said it's even better to finish it. It's great to run it, but it's even better to finish it. Why, why would Paul say something like that? Because he knew, he knew... And God knew, really, that sometimes the hardest thing to do is finish. The hardest thing to do is finish right. See, why is it important to finish the race? First of all, finishing the race elicits a reward. Verse number 24, verse number 25. Look at verse number 20. And every man that striving for the mastery is tempered in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Why do we run for a crown? To be rewarded from Christ. See, we're living in the participation trophy age where anybody and everybody that shows up, give them a trophy because we don't want to hurt their feelings. I kid you not, nowadays in child sports, they no longer keep score because they don't want kids' feelings to get hurt. Can I say, I, I wish life worked that way. But I guarantee you, if you got feelings, they're going to get hurt one day. You got feelings, they're going to get hurt one day. And you got to learn how to overcome that. You got to learn how to, how, how do you deal with that? How do, how do you, just give them a trophy. Everything will be all right. The same mentalities, they also become prevalent in the church today. Look, I'm here, preacher. I showed up to church. Where's my reward? I read my Bible this week, preacher. I, I deserve a trophy. Somebody ought to reward me. Look how, look how great things I've done. Look at here, I'm getting a blessing. Somebody better congratulate me. I come to church, what else do you expect from me, preacher? It's not what I expect out of you, but what does the Lord expect out of you? What does the Lord expect out of you tonight? If you want to receive the crown mentioned in verse number 25, then you better finish the race that's required for it. Better finish the race that's required. Oh, preacher, you really believe that? That's what Paul said. Paul didn't say, well, I, I ran my course and it's good for a little while. Now I'm fixing to die. Paul said, I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. But not just for me, but all. Whatever the rest of the verse says. 
Notice this. Not only is this finishing the race elicit a reward, but finishing the race creates a great testimony. Look at verse number 27. Why was Paul so concerned about finishing his race? So, but I keep under my body and bring up subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul said, if I quit, you don't understand how great of an impact it will have on those that have listened to me, those that I've preached to, and those that I've influenced. To hear that Paul quit, man, who, who knew or who, who could have known the devastation that probably would have caused? But I'm glad it's not the case. A lot of times we say something like that about somebody when they pass away. Well, I guess they finished their race. And now in general they did. They finished the, the race of life. Their life has come to an end. I wonder, have they completed the Christian race? Have they done and did all that God and the Lord desired for them to do? I wonder if the same could be said about us when it's our time to leave. Well, we know like Paul did, I finished my course. I've done what God has told me to do. I've done completely what the Lord has told me to do. The greatest testament I think you and I could ever have is they served God till their dying breath. And I'll say that'll always be better than the testimony then they used to serve God. Or I remember when they used to run for Jesus. Now, I'm not a NASCAR fan by any means. I'll be honest with you, I don't think I've ever watched a race. But I do like Sports Center. I did like Sports Center growing up and I used to watch Sports Center every morning. I was getting ready for school and I'd watch the top 10. And then I'd bear through NASCAR information. It was never really my thing. Now, I liked watching it when the cars wrecked. That was interesting. But I remember they would always show the results from the race. It was first, it was Jeff Gordon. Dale Earnhardt, Jimmy Johnson. I liked Jimmy Johnson because my dad worked for Lowe's. That's the only reason why I liked them. Remember, they were always in the top. And they would list them all out. And I remember one day they listed out like four or five at the bottom. And next to it, it didn't have a time. It had three letters, D-N-F. Now, me being a non-NASCAR fan, I said, what, what does that mean? The Nuf stood for did not finish. Oh, they ran the race. Oh, they were in it. They were in the thick of it for a while. Sometimes, my goodness, I didn't think about all this. Sometimes they didn't finish because somebody else hit them. Somebody else wrecked them and they couldn't get over it. Sometimes they didn't finish because there was a malfunction. There was something wrong with their car. And they couldn't figure it out. They couldn't get it right. Some didn't finish because they simply wrecked their own car. Or trying too hard, running too fast, not running within the parameters that they were asked to run. Here's the thing tonight. Whatever the reason was, they always just said, did not finish. Boy, tonight, I don't know about you, I, I don't want that to be my testimony. I don't want at the end of my life 
spiritually speaking, as a Christian, God to write, did not finish. Oh, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to spend eternity there. I'm thankful for that tonight. But I don't want to have to stand up and say, I did not finish. I'd rather stand up tonight to say, I have run my course. I have finished. I have fought my fight. I have done everything that God wants me to do. Let me ask you tonight, when you're done running, will those know around you know that you finished your race, how it was supposed to be finished? How God designed and desired it to be finished tonight? Boy, if we're going to be better runners, we have to be lighted runners. We've got to take that weight, that sin, get it away from us. We've got to be learned runners. We've got to run with patience. We've got to run according to the word of God. We've got to be lasting runners that will say, whatever comes, I'm just going to keep putting two feet in front of me. I'm going to run my race for the glory of God. Do you want to be a better runner tonight? It's all standing out, every head bowed, every eye closed.